and welcome to another episode of Sorry for Your Loss, a podcast where we talk about talking about grief. I'm your host, Ellen Schwartz. I sat down several months ago at this point with my friend Greg, who I may or may not have coerced into being an interview for this podcast after we may or may not have had one or two or several pints of beer between us. The topic came up at all because I had made a your mom joke. You hopefully know it, but just in case, what basically happens is that whenever someone says something and you don't have a witty comeback at the ready, so you just say, your mom does that thing. So like if you say, hey, would you pass me the french fries? You would just stop and say, your mom's a french fry. And that's, that's the joke. That's it. It's definitely a favorite of mine because it is so juvenile. But in this case, Greg's response was amazing. He effortlessly and quickly and emphatically just yelled back, my mom's dead. Um, and I was caught off guard, but I immediately said back, you should be on my podcast. Um, which is maybe not the best response. But as I'm learning about grief and talking to people about it and how to talk to people about grief, I realize it's not actually a terrible response either. However it may rank on the appropriateness scale, Greg did eventually kindly agree to be one of my very first interviews. Uh, Just a quick note that there are a few spots where it gets a bit soft and muffly, so I hope you stick with it through those bits. Greg has some really great things to say about his experiences losing both his mother and his father and how it's affected his life, and he has some really good insights into how you can help support friends and coworkers in that moment and beyond. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Here it is. Hello, and welcome to Sorry for Your Lost podcast. I'm Ellen Schwartz, and I'm joined today by my really good friend, Greg. Hi, Greg. Hello. Um, And thank you so much for joining me to talk about your experience with grief. So let's do this. Um, I guess kind of first starting point would be that tell me a little bit about your mom and dad and what is your experience with grief? Broad question. I'll try, I'll try and summarize my experience (laughs) as I can. Um, The, so both my parents have passed on. I'm 48. Um, My mother passed in 1999 when I was 29. Uh, My father in 2012 when I was 42. both of them, so I'm the youngest of three siblings. Um, I have two older sisters. Uh, you know, I, I can share a bit about what, um, my, what my experience is, but also looking at how my sisters um, have dealt with it and kind of the differences. And that's kind of, I think, an interesting point um, that we can, we can pick up on. So yeah, so I guess um, I was the youngest of three. I was a bit of a, a surprise. Um, my mother had had a miscarriage, um, and uh, the doctors had told her they can't, uh, they couldn't have any more children. And about um, seven or eight years after the doctors had, had told my mother that she couldn't get pregnant, um, she got pregnant. Um, so I was, uh, I was quite a, a late stage um, baby for them. My dad was 42 um, when he had me. My mom was, I think, 30, uh, 37. Um, which at the time I was born in the 1970s, that was considered, she was considered geriatric um, in having a child. Yeah, uh, that's actually still the case, but that's, that's for a different podcast topic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, yeah, I was always the baby of the family. It was always quite nurtured. I was quite close to my mother. Uh, we had a, I think a very different relationship than my sister had because I was a the baby. I was younger, and my parents were also a bit a bit more settled, a bit more into their adulthood than than when um, my sisters were there. So it was quite, um, you know, at twenty nine, which you know I, I was an adult at, at the time when my mother died, but it, it was also you know quite uh, quite a, uh, a tear in in kind of the fabric of who who I was because I was very close close to my mom and uh, yeah you know a lot of a lot of what I've dealt with and and you know my sisters have dealt with as well is how do you how do you fill a hole in your life when something like that happens and it is quite a shift in in how you live and how you interact with your family and how you interact with with people in general so um so it is you know it's it's been an in, it's been 
an interesting, at times painful, at times revealing experience to, to move through kind of what what that loss means and, and, and how you how you deal with it. So what did you kind of wind up doing when your mom passed? What do you remember about that time? Um, I think when my mother passed, it, the, the strange thing I'll say, and I was thinking about this, is that, is that when someone else, when someone not necessarily as close to you, so like someone's good friend's parents, a good friend's dad or, or mom passes, the grief comes really quickly um, to you and you experience it very quickly and then you you know you're you're quite devastated but then you get over it quite quickly as well um because it's you know there's not someone that's necessarily part of your everyday day to day when my mom passed what surprised me was was how kind of numb i was to the whole thing and what you know it it i i expected and it's not to say that i didn't at times break down and enough absolute tears and cry but I expected that uh, that I would be devastated I would be like crying constantly for weeks and weeks and on end and actually really really I was okay most of the time I went into work I did my job I you know went out with friends and you know had beers and watched ice hockey and, uh, and, and played trivia and you know, obviously we had the funeral and I saw everyone there and talked to people and it was actually quite, quite kind of nice to catch up with people I hadn't seen in a while. Um, but I didn't feel that immediate sense of loss and devastation that I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas a lot of people, when especially at the funeral, a lot of people you'd walk up to and they would just break into tears. And I spent I spent a lot of time at the funeral home and the visitations and during the funeral, actually comforting people. Oh no! Who were who were, de- who were absolutely devastated. So my you know friends of my mo- mom and dad, my um, you know my own friends, uh, you know kind of my extended family. They you know they obviously got to the funeral and just started bawling and crying and everything. And I wasn't quite there yet. And I don't think any of my family. My dad wasn't my my sisters weren't we actually all of us spent a lot of time i think caring for others in that situation so i think that you know that was kind of the first revelation is that grief when it when it's that close to you doesn't come over you like a tidal wave it's it's a long it's a long process and it can take a long time to play out and it can be surprising in the ways that it plays out and the things that actually get to you and it tends not to be generally the big events. It tends to be little things, which surprised me a lot as well. That you know, that little, little things. Like one of the examples is one of the things that when I was in university, when I first went away to university and started living on my own, is that my mom would call me, and she'd ask what I was having for dinner, and invariably the answer usually was, uh, "We've ordered pizza." Uh, <laughs> And she would be, she was always like, Craig, you need to cook for yourself, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the things I did is I would, on days when I actually made a meal for myself, I would call my mom. Um, because then when she said, what are you having for dinner? I'm like, oh, I'm making chicken breast with some rice and broccoli on the side. And she would feel like I was, you know, acting like a real adult. Um, <laughs> though, even though for the other six days in the week, I don't eat pizza. And so it's things like that. Like after she died, one of the things I noticed is whenever I made myself a meal, I kind of felt like I wanted to call her and say, "Oh, I can't now," um, to let her know that you know I've, I've 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 cooked my I've cooked a meal for myself rather than just gone the easy route and and ordered in. So it's things like that that kind of hits you rather than you know the funeral or her birthday or you know, the, the, you know, the day that she, the anniversary of the day she died. That's kind of what's surprising. Yeah, that would be, that's definitely, I mean, the opposite of what I would expect. And even what you said about how you were having to comfort people like that to me seems so backwards, but did that help you heal at all? Or like kind of prompt anything? Like what, 
did you realize in the moment that you were the one comforting or is that a hindsight thing? No, no, no. I definitely realized in the moment that I was the one comforting, but I mean, I was, I was, I was happy with it. It was, you know, it was a, it was a display of love and emotion for my mother. And, and the same thing when my father died and, and we did uh, a service for him. These, these are people that really cared about, you know, my parents and, and, and loved them uh, as friends. And so it, it was nice to be able to offer them some comfort in what they were going through. But, you know, I recognized at the time as well that what they were going through is a sharp, quick pain. And what I and the rest of my family was going to go, had been through, you know, both my parents' death and what we were going to go through after was, was going to be a much more, a much longer process and, and a reveal itself in a much more mysterious and longer way. Mm -hmm. Did you have time for either of your parents to prepare or like, did you know that, was this a longer process or was it kind of sudden? Uh, no, both, both, both were ill and we had time. So my, my mother, um, my mother was pancreatic cancer, mm. which uh, even nowadays is, has a, a pretty grim outlook. Um, if you get it, uh, but you know, back 20 years ago was, 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 was quite grim. Um, so she, you know, she'd been on chemotherapy and off and had kind of been given it all clear for a while. And then she went back on it and then, um, then they, you know, the doctor said actually the chemo's not working. Um, you know, it, it, it's just making you feel awful the days that you get chemotherapy. So mm. we're going to suggest we, you know, take you off it. We can give you painkillers or whatever to, to, to feel, you know, so you feel comfortable and you probably got six months. That, so, so we knew it was coming. Um, I think what then happened is, is, is once my mother had hope removed, she kind of gave in. And so it was actually about, about three or four weeks um, until she passed. So she just very quickly faded. Um, but there, but there, was, there was that time to be able to prepare, to say goodbye, to, um, you know, to, to enjoy what we could of those last moments with her um my father as well he so so my mother was 65 when she passed she was quite young um my dad was 84 when he passed so he'd had a good innings as they say here in the uk uh you know he'd, he'd had a good long life um but similar thing he so he had a brain aneurysm um that was slow um so we knew at some point he was going to pass and I was, so I was already living in the UK at the time my dad passed away. My sisters called me and said, you need to fly back. Um, uh, you know, we think dad's going to pass quite quickly. Uh, they, they were concerned I wouldn't even make it back to Toronto where my, um, where my family was from in time. Um, but I did, didn't, my dad did hang on for a couple of days, so I was able to spend a few days uh, with him in the in in the hospital. And so there was preparation, and I, you know, we knew it was coming, and there was the opportunity to say goodbye. Um, in both cases, um, and I don't know whether this is common, but certainly it's what it's what myself and, and my family did in both cases was that when it was quite clear, the end was, you know within the next kind of 24 hours, we had a, like a proper, proper goodbye and everyone, you know, said everything they wanted to say, um, uh, which, which was quite devastating. I, I barely, barely made it through either of them without, uh, without choking, choking on my own tears. And even right now, I kind of just thinking back on that and, and trying to hold back. <laughs> Enough, but um, but I mean that that's that was quite cathartic to to be able to do that, and and that kind of then becomes the point at which you let go and you let mom or dad know that they're they're good to go, um, that they don't need to hold on anymore for for us.
Um, I mean, that's giving me goosebumps. I don't know that a lot of people get that opportunity to be so honest and open and kind of know that you've done your piece. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think that's one of the one of the good things. And I mean, it's it's strange to talk about good things when you talk about people dying. But one of the good things is in both my parents, there was time for us to prepare and say what we wanted to say and say goodbye. But in both cases, they went quite quickly. So they weren't in pain. They weren't suffering um, for a long time. Certainly, I've known, you know, other sides of, of it in, in, in people I know where someone has a, a terminal, a painful terminal disease and lives for years, um, which you know, to me feels horrific, you know, to, to have to live with pain for so long. Uh, as well as as well as those, and I'm you know people in my own life who who died suddenly, um, you know were fine one day and then the next day they were gone, uh, and and you obviously then in those cases don't have the opportunity to kind of make your peace with it. You have to make your peace with it after. So it's it, it, you know I think it's uh, you know not having gone through either of those cases would be you know. It's interesting to know whether people had a similar experience or how much kind of that opportunity to really make your peace and say goodbye um, to someone helps with the you know helps with the process of of of, of grief. Um, oh yeah, interesting. I was about to say healing process, but I think it's not healing. Um, one of the things that I've learned through. Well, with my parents' death is that, is that you never really, you don't get back to where you were. You, you're finding a new way to exist, a new normal for your life. And, and, and so you, you know, you never get over the, the loss of something. You kind of absorb and accept it and learn a new way to go on living in, in, in the world that we're in. So, so you know, I think that it's you know, kind of interesting to, to look at how those journeys happen and, and, and they look, you know, what they look like and what new normal means. Yeah, I like the way that you've described that a lot, actually. I think um, people who haven't experienced it expect you to try to fill a hole somehow and they want to like help you fill something or like give you back something. But it's not about, it sounds like it's not about trying to replace your mother or your father, like fill this void. It's about like helping you have a new experience that is still enveloping everything about you, what you've had and moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's actually one of the things, especially when my mother died, that, that my family as a whole was a unit struggled with. My mother was very much the glue and the focal point of the family. She was the one that reached out. She was the one that got us together for Sunday dinners. She was the one that organized, you know, coming over for the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Uh, she, she was, I mean, she loved doing it. It was, it was what she loved. She loved hosting. She loved entertaining. So, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that, that we, we foisted it upon her, but when that, uh, you know, when she, when she passed on, um, there was suddenly this, you know, we there were suddenly myself, my two sisters, my father, and my sister's nieces, my sister's children, so my nieces and nephews, who I think all of us kind of were looking for someone to step in and take that role. And it took, I think it took probably a good year for all of us to just come to the recognition, the realization that no one's going to no one's going to take that role. If we if we want to if we want to stay together, if we want to keep together, if we want to organize things, you know, no individual is going to do that. We all have to have to kind of take pick up the slack and make the effort. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there was especially less so with me because I'm you know I don't have any children, and so uh, you know. I, I could deal with my grief on my own, but for my sisters, uh, both my sisters have um, have children, and so they were looking at this from the standpoint of 
both their own grief, but also what their children were going through, having lost the grandparents. Um, and my mother was, uh, my mother loved all her grandchildren and loved doubting on them and loved seeing them. And so, so there, was, there was a lot of interaction that, that she had with, with, with her grandkids um, that suddenly disappeared. And my father, my father is, is a lovely man, but he, he's, not, he's not the type to organize a big dinner and, and get, get the kids in and everything. Right. Um, and he, you know, he, I think, you know, he was always, you know, looking back at it now, I recognize now he's a bit of an introvert, even though he was actually very social and outgoing. But he liked his time alone. And so, so it was, you know, it was for him. Uh, to say, you know, have everyone over to his place for dinner, um, because it was just it was just a lot of social interaction, and, he'd, and you know, halfway through he'd, he'd want to go and sit in the sit in the you know sit alone and, and watch the TV or do a crossword puzzle. So you know, in my sister's case, I think especially one of them was really looking for my dad to step up and take the role of being the family you know, being the patriarch and being the organizer and being the one that leads the family. And I think, you know, it was, it was a long struggle for her to come to, you know, come to the realization that that's not going to happen. You know, if, if, she, if, she, if she wants her kids to see their grandfather, she's going to have to take a lot of the effort and, and make the effort to, to, to make that happen. Uh, which I mean, she did, and 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 I, you know, it, it worked out in the end. But it was it was a real shift in how in how the dynamics of our family worked, how we socialized, how we organized, how we ensured we stayed in touch with each other. Um, that was a big a big shift I think that we had to go through. Right, and I would guess probably learning a little bit more about your dad at that point too. Like you said, kind of learning that he was an introvert, something that if you're, you know, if you come as part of a couple, you know, if your mom was hosting at their house, your dad could sneak away and he could have that time without it feeling like he's abandoning his guests because your mom would have still been there. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think it's, um, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 I guess exposed exposed all of us, uh, all all of us, and, and not just my dad, but you know myself and my sisters um, and her and, and all their kids. It, it kind of exposed things that we hadn't known about each other because they we had such a structured way of of interacting with each other. And uh, that sounds really bad. Um, no, I think. But, I mean, it's kind of like, it's those pieces that your mom would have been filling in for, the support that she was giving you would have been different for each person, you know, based just on those relationships. So figuring out what that was for each person would have been part of the, the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I look at it a bit like, I don't, I don't know what it's like if you get together with your friends from high school, but if I get together from, with my friends from high school, suddenly all of us are the people we were in high school. <laughs> yes, and, that is what yeah. happens with me as well. Yeah, exactly, and 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 even though these are these are like you know, you know, uh, this guy's a, a you know a vice president of a company and has like five kids or whatever, and then <laughs> as, as soon as the three of us or the five of us go out to a, a bar and get some chicken wings and some beer, he's he's the you know, the 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 um, joker that he used to be in high school, and it's like what do you mean? Um, and I and I think that's. You know, it's that kind of structure that you fall into, the, those kind of roles. Everyone takes a role. And when you remove a key person from that, um, suddenly, you know, there is this gap. And it's and it, unlike a, a company, you can't go out and hire, can't hire a new mom. Um, so so you, suddenly you, you realize that actually there are things that we're good at and there are things that we're, you know, not so good at. And we... And, you know, we, we found a way to work, but now we have to find a new way to work and a new way to, to, to stay together. That actually leads into some, like, kind of a different type of question that I want to ask you. 
is like, did anybody try to fill that void, but not realize that that's the wrong thing to do? Kind of like, so your support system, it sounds like you relied on your family a lot, but kind of these per other peripheral people, how do they react? How do they try to support you? And was that the right or wrong thing to do? Um, yeah, I, I actually, that's an interesting question. I had not really thought about, um, and I was about to just say no, but then actually thinking about it, I actually think that, I think that that would be that would be wrong. I think there were there were people there were certainly, I think aunts and uncles, um, uh, who stepped in to want to kind of make sure that you know we were okay and we were sticking together and things were fine. Um, and it was, I think I I don't know that there's a, that there's a a, um, a yes or no answer as to whether it was the right thing to do. You know, I think in a lot of ways it was helpful and and we appreciated it. In other ways, it was a bit like, can you just leave us alone and <laughs> let us get on with things? I, um, I don't know that I could come up with exactly what the right mix or the right balance um, was. I think probably if you're someone who's looking to help a, a family or a person through grief, you kind of have to take the cues from what the person is looking for. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I think of when, when my mom died, we all kind of went back to my parents' parents' place because um, we had, uh, you know, had to deal with, uh, you know, arranging everything for the funeral, the visitations, which were obviously in the town that my parents lived in, which we all didn't live in. So we, you know, it was a convenient place to come and stay. Um, then the funeral, then, you know, the kind of afterwards when everyone came back to the flat and everything. And so it was about a week and on the, <laughs> and on the, uh, you know, after, after the funeral, everyone came back to our place and there was all, you know, kind of a buffet. And then once everyone had followed out, it was just my dad, me and, and my sisters and my dad looked at us and said, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but I feel like I've seen enough of people and I want to be alone. And <laughs> all of us were like, yes, absolutely. And so, you know, we, we just needed some time to be alone and kind of process our own thoughts and just get away. And so, you know, it was, it was, it's strange because it was fantastic being there and and I've, I've actually described this to my sisters and they've agreed is that putting together my mother's funeral was actually one of the best weeks of of my life because it was such a like everything everything else every other care and worry in the world just evaporated and the only thing you were focused on is really you know kind of the life of, the, of this person you want to it was so important to you and want to celebrate. And so we, you know, we put together picture, uh, uh, picture books and, you know, the kids did drawings and stuff that they, they wanted to do. And it was, a, it was just a family together. And we, we had such a lovely time. But at the end of it, it was just kind of, a, you know, let's not see each other for a week. Because <laughs> it was just a lot of time together. And I think that's the, the, the kind of thing is that you don't, really necessarily know what you're going to need from a moment to moment instant but you can you know when it comes up you can you can think okay well actually what i need now is to be alone actually what i need now is just to go out and be with my friends and, and have it be normal what i need now is just to get back into the office and do some work just you know yeah so when you do want to go back and kind of have those normal experiences, how do the people around you react? And like, how did you kind of tell them what you needed? Yeah, and I think that that's that's a really good thing because especially especially with going back to work. Um, so I think I, I think I took maybe a week off, you know, and it is the kind of thing that everyone was kind of walking on eggshells with. And you know that people are doing it and you want to make them feel like it's okay they don't need to do that and it is sometimes quite you know it's quite hard to 
to say, you know, how do you, how do you tell people, don't worry, I'm okay. And, and similarly with my friends, is especially at the, at the time when my mom died, none of my, none of the friends, the friend group I had, none of them had lost a parent at that point. And so I was kind of the, the first one. And no one quite knew what to say or how to react. And, you know, some, some people reacted, well, also, you know, what I would say as well is, that, you know, they, they were kind of, they asked, how are you, what do you want? Um, when I said, I just, I just want this to be a regular night out, they're like, cool, I can do that. Some people were, you could tell they were uncomfortable. They didn't know what to say. They felt like they should say something, but they didn't know what it is. And so they kind of stumbled and said nothing. Uh, I think one of the, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that I found, so, so there was a, a couple guys who worked for me when my mom died. And one of them came to the funeral and the other one didn't. And I was talking to the guy who didn't afterwards. And not, not necessarily in a judgmental way, but it was just, you know, just saying, hey, you know, I didn't see you at the funeral. Um, and I said, yeah, I, did, I, just didn't, I just didn't feel like it was my place to intrude. And I think for me, personally, actually, I, even, if, even if people didn't say anything or just said, I'm sorry, that, was, that felt good to me because I felt like I was supported and I knew there was people there. And so even if you don't know what to say, I think, you know, just, just saying, I'm, listen, I'm sorry, you know, I feel bad. Um, if you need anything, ask me. Um, and you don't need to say more. Uh, you, you just need to be able to present yourself as, hey, I'm here, but, you know, I'll let you guide how I should react. I guess I kind of want to ask you a little bit more about like the people who didn't wind up saying anything or wound up saying anything because they didn't know what to say. I mean, I'm just a couple of years older than you would have been when you lost your mom and have felt that frequently to where it's like, I just, is it better to say something or not say something? Um, it sounds like for you, your experiences, you wanted them to at least just acknowledge it so you could discuss and move past. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, just acknowledge it. As I said, the, you know, and I think this comes to the way that people deal with, deal with the passing of someone that they you know, aren't as close with. It's, it's, it tends to be sharp and, you know, as I said, sharp and severe grief. If, you know, your, you know, friend's mom or dad passes on, you feel really bad. Um, but you, you get over it relatively quickly because it's not your mom's dad. Whereas, uh, you know what happens when, when it's actually you where it's, where it's happening to it's a it's a much longer process and because it's a much longer process the emotion is not quite as raw and not quite as at the surface but I think people feel like for the person that's happened for the you know my friends would look at me and think okay his mom just died he must be absolutely emotionally on the edge and therefore they kind of don't want to trigger it and they don't want to upset me yeah say it's going it's going to, to push me in 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 a negative direction they, they want to try and protect me and, and and keep me safe and so it's yeah you know for those people who didn't say anything it's not that it's not that they didn't care it's that they just didn't I feel like they just didn't know or they just didn't want to do anything to make things worse and so therefore they do nothing yeah, I think I think we all have this imagination that it's like if I mention your mom, what you're going to do is break down in the break room and come sobbing around, and then I've done this horrible thing. And I guess is that would that if you had but had all your emotions on the surface, would that have you like would that have been cathartic or would that have been embarrassing? Like kind of what do we just kind of don't know what Greg is feeling, and so we don't want to you know we don't want it to be the wrong button. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, I will say that, that you know, for me, I did, it's not that I, I suppressed any emotions, that, that I was, you know, I was on the verge of crying all the time and I didn't because I didn't want to make a scene. Certainly when I felt like crying uh, or breaking down or being angry or, you know, cursing God and the world and everything, I, I did. Um, it's just It's just those emotions aren't, you're not constantly 24-7 feeling. And so there are times where you're just at work having a cup of tea and you think, you know, you're thinking about, you know, the next 
what I got to do the next couple of hours, that meeting I have. And, and it's fine if someone mentions, you know, says, oh, sorry to hear about your mom. You're like, oh, thanks. Now, whether I was, whether I was more emotional and, and had expressed it more, had, would people have reacted differently? I don't know. Whether I would have felt when I did have my breakdowns, when I did cry, when I did rage the world, um, if I was with someone, I, I was a friend who I trusted and respected. And no, I didn't, I didn't feel bad about it. Um, I might have felt a little bit of embarrassment if, if, if that person was, you know, if I put that person through something. But, you know, for me, expressing those emotions weren't, weren't a bad thing. It's just they weren't there all the time. Um, uh, especially right after, as I said, you kind of, you go through a bit of a period where you feel a bit numb. You're not constantly emoting or constantly sad or constantly, you know, going through these these stages of grief that that, that, that psychiatry, psychology talks about. You go through them, but it's not like you're con- you, that's 100% of everything you feel 100% of the day until you go move to the next stage. It's, it's a much more nuanced and subtle um, set of set of emotions that you go through and then and the much longer and uh longer and, and probably less sad process that you go through than people think i think that that's kind of what i'm learning i think is that it's not it it seems to be a bit more about just saying anything acknowledging and then moving helping you move forward however that looks yeah yeah exactly and i and i think you know in in support you know supporting people in 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 that journey they're going through and and what changes that may that that may lead to and take you know i think one of the things is as i said quite early on i was very close to my mother she was very protective of me um and uh you know it was always concerned about about me she she didn't like me doing doing things like like going skiing she always, she always felt it was, I was about to break my leg or if I would go traveling, she would be concerned about me, you know, being beheaded by uh, drug lords in, in Mexico or something like that. So, um, <laughs> so I think, you know, part of uh, what's quite, quite interesting now is that obviously since my mother died, I've traveled extensively. I've been, you know, been to, uh, you know, places you know, like uh, Mongolia and China, and the, you know, South America and the Central America that, that she would have she would have been horrified at me going to. And you know, I eventually moved from Canada, where I was born and grew up, to the UK to live. And those are all things that I don't think I ever would have done if my mother was alive, because I would have been concerned that she would have been concerned about me. Um, whereas once she passed on, in a way, you know, and, and I guess this is the positive thing about this. In, in a way, this is, that opened me up to suddenly have a different relationship with the world and refocus, you know, refocus some of my energy on things that I hadn't focused on previously. So it's you know, it is in a way, it you know, it, it is obviously sad when when you lose someone. Um, uh, and as I see, you know, and I, and I talked about kind of the, the, the difficulties with learning how to interact with your family, but at the same time, it actually opens you up to, you know, do different things and care about different things and prompt you to. I mean, one of the, you know, one of the things that I, you know, prompted me to, to take a, a, a much more you know, or care much more about what I wanted to do and where my life was going. Was the fact that my mother died when she was 65. So she worked, finally got to the age where she retired, and then she retired, and six months later, she was dead. And I thought to myself, God, I don't want to have a bunch of things stacked up that I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. And then we'll finally get, once they finally get to retirement, think, oh, I'm going to do all these things then not have the opportunity you you kind of have to take your you know you, you have to live your life now and you know it is a it is a reminder that that life is short and as uh, you know as they say none of us get out of this alive so 
<laughs> you know, you do get prompted to say, actually, I need to think about what I'm doing with my life. And am I doing the things that are making me happy or making me be fulfilled in, in, in the directions that I want to be? Or am I living my life for someone else at this point, waiting for my opportunity? So, but, you know, I guess, you know, if, if you're looking at it from the outside, the, you know, when someone makes these kind of, you know, makes these decisions, I guess it's difficult. And I've, I've seen it in other people when, when something happens, whether it's, you know, someone dying or even a divorce or a relationship breakup, and then suddenly someone does something and it seems a bit crazy. And you kind of, as a friend, have to, have to ask yourself, well, is, is this really crazy or is this just, you know, just this person finding a new freedom? And, and how, do you, how do you, I guess, balance off the, you know, no, this is too crazy versus the uh, awesome go for it kind of thing and, and, and look at that. Um, so I think there's, there's also that from, you know, just in my own experience, looking from the outside on other people's grief, whether that be death, whether that be divorce, whether that be you know, relationship breakup, whatever it is, that's like, oh, actually, you know, how can I support this person? And is, you know, going on with every crazy scheme they, they come up with a good thing or do I something like, you know, at what point do I have to say, actually, this is too far? Uh, and at what point do you say, that's awesome, go for it. Kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I think what I've, what I'm learning even just about talking to everybody about this podcast idea is that it is unique for everybody. It's like the best way to help your person is to kind of keep them in mind. So like, as you are having these thoughts after your mom's died, it's like, as your friend, it's like, is this typical, Greg? Is this great? It's like, or not, you know, kind of just taking everything in the, con the, the lens of the person who you want to support. So in this case, Greg, and it's like, yeah. how can, how does he want to move forward? What are his thoughts on this? Like, what, what makes sense? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I guess the other, the other thing, one of the things that interests me when, after my mom died and my dad went in to see his GP, um, is uh, is GP asked there? Asked, so his doctor. Um, I'm aware I, I shouldn't use too many British terms. <laughs> people, international people. Use <laughs> uh, his, 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 footnotes in there. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but he went in to see his doctor, and his doctor was like, "How you doing?" And, and one of the questions he asked is like, "Are you drinking more or less than you used to alcohol-wise?" Hmm. Because his doctor was looking for changes in behavior. It didn't necessarily have to be a good thing or a bad thing. So drinking more probably would have been a bad thing. Drinking less, you could say, oh, actually, that's a good thing. You probably shouldn't consume as much alcohol as you do. <laughs> but, um, but my, you know, all, all the doctor ones, there was like, are you changing? Is your behavior changing? If your behavior is changing, then that might mean that, you know, emotionally you feel different or, or, or something along those lines. But it was looking for kind of those those signs, those triggers of, of, of change. Um, I think that's something probably that we can all, you know, we shall consider and look for in, in helping friends who are going through grief is, you know, is their behavior changing? Whether, you know, whether it's, it's good or bad, but, um, and is that something to support or is that something we should be wary of? Okay. Is it, you know, do, and it's difficult, obviously, to, to, to draw a line and say, yes, it's good or yes, it's bad, but, um, you know, I, I mean, some things are obviously quite bad, like shooting heroin or something, you probably <laughs> think that's not a good thing, but, you know, if someone, you know, takes up, takes up exercise or starts, you know, traveling or something, it's like, okay, well, this is a change of behavior. Um, is this the person developing, you know, kind of the, the new person they're going to be post the, the, the event that caused grief? Or is this, is this someone hiding? Is this someone in, uh, in denial? And I think if I look, you know, if I look at my own behavior, there are things that I did after my mom passed, which were actually a bit destructive, you know, drinking too much, going out and kind of, you know, partying and whatnot, that actually weren't 
me developing as a person. It was me kind of hiding from my pain. And I guess that's ultimately what the denial phase of, of, of the stages of grief is. Hide from the fact that this has happened. Um, you know, when people talk about denial, when you talk about grief, it's not that you deny that it happened. You know it happened. You don't say, oh, my mom didn't die. She was <laughs> it's, it's you deny the fact that it, it, it's fundamentally a big change. And you hide from that fact. So you go out and you drink and party. That was, it was fun, but <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a positive thing, right? It wasn't me moving. I think that's kind of a light bulb statement, actually, what you just said for me. It's like, it's not like you're it's not denying that your mom's dead, but it's denying that you have to change or grow or live without her. Yeah. And I think if you look at the stages of grief, um, you're familiar with this, I'm sure. That, uh, yeah. you know, kind of denial, bargaining, uh, bargaining, anger, acceptance, I miss one. Um, but you look at those, and, and I mean, anger is, anger is easy to understand, right? Right. But denial and bargaining are quite different. Um, because it's, you know, as I said, denial is not denying that the event has happened. It's denying that it means anything, or that it means a big change in your life. And the bargaining is not, you know, not the, God, if you bring my mother back, I promise that I'll go to church every Sunday. Right. Because you know that's not a bargain that can be made. But the bargaining is is more. I think the the looking at looking at all these hypothetical what ifs. You know, what if I, you know, what if my dad started dating someone new, and that person became, you know, my new mom, and she did all the things that my old mom used to do. What if I found a girl who could you know, replace the, replace my mom and, and do all the, you know, that, that sounds creepy, but do all the things <laughs> that my mom do for me emotionally, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the support I used to get. What if, what if I, I could, you know, so, so the, the, what, the bargaining is more like, what if, what if there's a way that I don't have to change? So the denial is denying that I have to change. In any way. The bargaining is, well, let me find a way where I don't have to change. Um, the anger is, damn it, I do have to change. And then the acceptance is, okay, well, now I need to get on and change. And so I think that's, uh, you know, that's the journey that you go through. And unlike this, you know, the, the, the neat steps that exist in, in, in the psychology kind of textbooks, you, you, you're doing all of them at once. You, you know, you are, you know, you can be in denial and also it, you know, in, in some areas uh, of your life and be accepting in others. You know, you quickly come to the acceptance that mom's not cooking Sunday dinner. And so right. you say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the roast. So you've accepted that bit, but, you know, in the denial, you're still like, well, actually, you know, this isn't a problem. It's a big thing. Yeah, and so, you can bounce back and forth between them as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And you absolutely do. Um, and so I think, you know, that's, that's uh, that's always interesting, and I, I mean, I do wonder. I've not, I've never done this. I do wonder whether actually, when some when someone you love loses someone they love, whether it's actually worth pulling out those, you know, those st stages of grief and actually, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to track and identify which behaviors fall into which of those mm. uh, to help them. I, I've I've never even thought of it. I mean, I I do it with myself. Now, because I because I recognize that um, that despite thinking I'm a, a unique individual, that uh, <laughs> it doesn't fall into these paradigms that actually I do. Um, and even recently, uh, I went through a, a, a redundancy at work and recognized about three months in that actually I was going through the stages of grief about losing my job. Sure. Um, and so, so, you know, it's like, okay, well, actually, I need to, I need to stop, you know, stop doing the denial, stop doing the bargaining, start getting the acceptance and can kind of move myself through that more consciously. Um, but I wonder whether as, uh, you know, I've not thought of it, I wonder whether as a friend it's worth 
thinking about that and looking at behaviors that people are going through and saying, actually, is this something that, that is driven from the denial or the bargaining, which therefore is bad? Um, and we should probably draw our friends away from that, or is it something that is moving towards accepting some choice that we give to support? Yeah, I think that would be actually just an interesting mental exercise. I mean, start with, it would even just give you something to open a conversation with, with a friend is like, hey, I saw you doing this, kind of feels like it might be this, like might be denial about this, or it might be, you know, like maybe probably not being so clinical about it, but you know, in a way of just like, I noticed you were doing this. And I also know that your mom died. And do you want to talk about this? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think we have a gut feel for it. Like, yeah. you know, there are times when I've seen friends do things um, after they've suffered a loss. And I think to myself, oh, you, this, this isn't good. And I've said to them, I don't think, I don't think this is good. Um, so you get the, you get a gut feel. Um, whether, whether, you know, adding the, adding the clinical layer on it and, and being a bit more intellectual and, and uh, about it rather than just kind of going on your gut, whether that uh, can add something and can help in identification and the how do you, how do you talk to someone who, who's, who's, who's acting out in a way that's, you know, not healthy to, yeah. you know, their, their grief process. And that, almost, that kind of brings us full circle as well to where it's like when you're not quite sure how to ask someone, how are they, how are they feeling and sorry for your loss after someone is, after they're grieving something, whether it's a person or as you mentioned, kind of like a shift in life. Um, again, like how it can be awkward and you can feel like you're going to push them away by mentioning that you feel like, like, this is a destructive behavior or you think that they're doing this because of X and why don't we talk about it? Um, you know, it's so hard to gauge how someone will react to that. I think especially because all you see in Hollywood is a big blow up immediately after that. Um, and you can't be friends anymore and you have to make it to the end of the movie before they realize that you just cared about them. Yeah. So it's yeah it's tricky so like if you've approached you mentioned that you kind of know some people who you recognize this and you talk to them about it how did those conversations end up was it ultimately productive or not uh i think I, so so what i'll say is i think when i've ever had those conversations i don't think it actually changed the behavior of the person you know the way i would approach it is i would say listen i you know you know to, to summarize a, a very what could be very long conversation you know i'm not sure this is the right thing for you or, are you sure you're heading in the right direction with this if they said which they invariably do kind of yes and you, you know kind of push a couple times but they keep saying yeah just like okay well you know i'm here for you let me know and you kind of you know i i guess let those people go through that 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 behavior um, but with the understanding, at least I, you know, I said what I feel, um, and at the end, uh, I've never, I, you know, I've never gotten to the point where someone's blown up and, and said that they never want to be a friend again. Um, but at the end, people would, you know, kind of, once they've gone through it and said, yeah, actually, that probably was a mistake. Um, so you, you know, at the very least you've shown the con you've shown concern and you've shown that you care, you know, even if it didn't necessarily change what they do. Um, but maybe it did, you know, maybe it shortened the period of, of, of whatever kind of destructive behavior or, or negative behavior they were doing. And maybe they actually, it was always, because you said it, it's in the back of their mind and, you know, they actually do, do think that something, so yeah, this probably isn't. Which is, yeah. you know, I should it up. So I don't know. It's worth it's worth saying. I I don't think I would ever push someone so hard that it jeopardizes a friendship. I think you do have to be sensitive to the fact that it is someone who's going through something, and they do have to go through it. Um, and you know, the last thing that person needs is someone pushing them so hard that it pushes them away. Um, yeah. But it's worth, I think it's worth saying to people, listen, you, you, know, you need to think about 
what you're doing here and whether it's the right thing. And you've said your piece and then beyond that, let me know what you think. So like the last question that I had written down and obviously we've got plenty of time if you want to even say anything else is like you, I met you after your parents died. And so like would have had this reaction that like eventually I learned that your parents died and would have reacted that in a certain way. How do people react when they, when you tell them this and is there anything that stands, it's like, what do you, how does that happen? And what do you kind of want? That feels like a strange way to phrase that question. I'm yeah. just going to answer it. Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think it's, it's interesting because I mean, it's, I mean, it's been almost 20 years now since my mother passed. Uh, it's been seven years since my dad passed. Uh, and I met you after that. Yeah. Um, in, you know, now, now it's, it just, as I said, you know, I've, you kind of get to a new normal. So now it's just, it's the fact of life. And I don't really, like, I don't grieve in, in the sense that, that, that I, I feel sad about, um, about my parents passing. There are times when I miss them where I think, oh, actually, this would be, my dad would love this, or my mom would love that I'm doing this, right? Or they would, they would love to know that this is happening. Um, you know, as an example, recently, my niece uh, had uh, twins, which oh. my mother would have been absolutely static about. Grandchildren. <laughs> and, and the fact that, you know, my mother doesn't, never gets to meet them is, 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 you know, it makes me sad, but not in the way that I'm going to break down and cry sad. It's just like, oh, it's a sad thing. Um, so I think when I tell people, often, you know, when they mention, uh, like a lot of people ask, so where do your parents live? Especially because I'm, you know, a foreigner here in the UK and I say I grew up in Canada. And they say, oh, do your parents live in Canada? And I think, well, they both passed on. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it, people often just don't know what to say. Um, yeah. And, and they, they seem very taken aback. What I'd say is that, is that unless, unless it's relatively recent, it's probably, probably just a thing that the, 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 it's a fact of, of people's life. And it's, to me, it's not an emotional thing to say that both my parents are dead. It's what it is. Um, and so I'd say to people, you know, just don't, don't be frightened by it. Uh, and I think this goes back to when we talked about the people who didn't say anything or didn't come to the funeral and how they reacted. They just didn't, they didn't want to tread on or upset, right? And, me, and when I say now that, you know, my parents, both my parents are dead, people just don't, they don't want to say anything to upset. But at this point, because it's so long ago, Actually, all of my memories of my parents are both are all positive. So you know, the the joyous things that I remember. I'm happy to talk about them and what they were like, and uh, you know, what what uh, the the laughs and, and and the good times we had. Um, and so don't you know? I guess don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid to ask about it. But also, it's it don't don't think that it it's a big thing that it needs. Uh, you know, a, a big emotional, you know, emotional support, at least, you know, in the case where it's an event that has happened sometime ago. Um, sure. Obviously, if it's just happened, that's a, that's a different thing. The person can go through that, but, you know, to someone's... You know. Yeah. Ellen, I would think as well, uh, you're, the person who asked, like, their natural reaction, I think, is to then feel like the polite thing to do is say, oh my goodness, like, I'm so embarrassed that this is causing you grief, and then ask you about it. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you've just told me your parents have died. I don't want to look insensitive by moving on so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, generally what I say is, you know, what I say to try and diffuse the situation is don't worry, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, whether that helps goes hearing it or not I don't know or whether that seems like I'm being dismissive of it is there something that the person could say that is kind of like neutral 
I mean, when people say they're sorry, that's enough. You know, I'm sorry my parents were dead. I, I would prefer that they were still alive. Sure. But you know, it's it's you know, I, I don't think I don't I don't think you need to say more than that. Um, uh, I'm not sure what else you could say. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, uh, you know, it. You know, there there are times when you know people have asked, you know, how they died, and uh, said, you know, describe this situation, and they've had a similar situation, and so it's you know it's sometimes interesting to to go talk through that, or they know someone who's who's had a similar you know cancer or brain aneurysm, and they can talk through you know kind of talk through that, um, but it doesn't need to go in that direction. I don't. If it goes in that direction, if that's where the conversation goes, that's cool, and I'm happy to do that. Um, if that's not where the conversation goes, that's fine. You know, I'm, I didn't. You know, I'm I'm not meeting someone generally to talk about my parents, right? So, if I'm you know, if I'm meeting someone for the first time at a party or at uh, you know at the pub or something, it's you know, I'm not there. I didn't come to the pub to talk about my parents. So, you know, we don't have to talk about them whatever um uh so so i think just i'm sorry and if someone wants to if that person wants to talk more about me they want to ask more about it i'm very happy if they want to move on to you know the football scores then we can talk about that as well so <laughs> yeah i think that yeah that makes sense i feel like there probably would be like cues from you as well where it's like yeah like if you present it matter of factly it makes it a lot different than if you were to present it as like oh god they're dead you know yeah and i mean to me now i think that uh except in situations where it makes sense to, to talk about it. so if you know someone if someone mentions that you know they know someone with cancer then i will often say oh actually my mother died of cancer and you know use that as uh, you know use that as, as a, a, a conversation um, to be had but you know if someone if someone just you know doesn't have doesn't have experience in it or doesn't want to talk about it I don't think they need to force themselves to have that conversation um, especially with someone that you know who they're meeting, who these events are in the in the past for. Because mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'll within within the anecdotes I'll tell people as I get to know them. They'll, they'll hear about them, mom and dad. They'll tell stories about them, and I think that's that to me at this at this point um, in in you know, kind of the process that I've been through with grief. At this point, I'm much more interested in talking about. Um, uh, talking about what my parents were like when they were alive than um, their dad. This podcast is for you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, cool. I think that's all. Yeah, that's a really good point and one that I, I'll kind of muse on because, I mean, it's pretty much just me speaking from personal experience where it's like, I, I want to make sure you're okay. That's just in my nature. It's like, oh my gosh, I've offended you. I want to make it right and I'll ask about it more. But I think what I'm taking away from what you're saying is like, it would be fine to just kind of acknowledge it. And if you are, if I am curious, obviously you, Greg, are fine being talking about it, but it's also fine to just keep going with the conversation. Yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Just good, good, solid things to keep in mind for me, which is again, part of kind of part of what I wanted to do with the podcast at all is because I, I am that awkward person sometimes, as I think a lot of people are. So, and I think you know, I guess the last thing is it, it to say is that you know, is that I'm that awkward person, even though I've gone through, even though I've lost you know, four grandparents and um, and two parents, and had some you know, I've had friends die, aunts and uncles, etc. I you know, I still don't know what to say all the time. Um, we we are all just people and we are we can be as you know we can be awkward sometimes and 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 not know what to say and 
you know, my, my fallback is always to say, you know, I'm sorry and I'm here for you. Um, and I think that's, you know, a good place to always start. I think that's, that's what I'm learning as well. So. Good. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or say? Did we miss anything? Am I even asking the right questions? It is, it is a really big topic. Um, and there are, you know, there's lots of, I mean, we could spend hours talking about the minutiae, I think, of, you know, the grief process and what I went through uh, and what I've seen others go through. Um, but I think, you know, as a, as a how do you support someone going through the process, I think we've, we've covered, covered most of what I would say to someone. So. Okay. Well, thanks for talking with me. Oh, but you know, I think I think it is it is a it is a an interesting topic, and it's one that that I think we all we all kind of struggle through at some point. Um, and I guess you know, talking talking about it and hearing other people's stories will hopefully help some people struggle a little less or feel. I think you always struggle through it, but maybe feel a little less guilty about the fact that you're struggling through it. So. Yeah, that's actually a good way of putting it, or even just less self-conscious that you're doing it wrong. I think you even mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, just saying anything is going to be better than saying nothing or doing nothing. Even if what you're saying is, uh, and like feels super awkward to you as the person who is not grieving. I mean, even people said, people sometimes would say to me, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, well, at least you said something. Yeah. At least you admitted you don't you don't know how to react. Frankly, you know, I don't know how to. React. I'm still I'm still I'm still reacting. So yeah. I get that you don't know how to react. It's it's a big thing. Yeah. Well, that's like that's exactly how this came about. Is that I mean, my Holly was my best is my best friend, and it's like I should know how to talk to her about anything. And her dad died, and it's just like I don't have words for yeah. you but I was able to say that to her because I know her and so I'm just kind of like you know if, if you don't have a sisterly bond with your friend can you still do these things what makes sense and I think that what I'm finding is that yeah you can and you kind of should yep absolutely so, well thanks Greg thank you episode of Sorry for Your Loss. For links to any referenced sources, articles, or websites in this episode, visit sorryforyourlosspod.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at sorryforyourlosspod. What did you think? How have you grieved? What helped? Record a message and email it to sorryforyourlosspod at gmail.com and it may be featured on an upcoming episode of this podcast. Sorry for Your Loss was created and produced by Ellen Schwartz. Thank you for listening and spread the word. If you really loved what you hear, be sure to subscribe or leave a five-star rating.